In Mark chapter 10, it said that the mothers and fathers, parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could bless them. But the disciples hindered the people from doing so. And scripture says that when Jesus saw that, he became indignant. Say the word indignant. That means extremely angry. And he said, do not hinder the little children from coming to me because the kingdom of God belongs to them. And then it says, Jesus took the little children up into his arms. He blessed them and he prayed for them. And Jesus loves the little children. It's a little children's song that we have sung. Many of us have grew up in church. We learned it as little bitty ones. But Jesus uses a child as the example of faith. We can only enter into the kingdom if we become like a little one. This is Dustin Carolyn Denning. For those who don't know them, they are members of our church. They have been serving in South Africa for the past two years. They came back about five weeks ago or so, about a month or so ago. This is their little one, Levy May. So, and we're going to dedicate her today to the Lord. Dedication, we see it in the scriptures where Samuel was dedicated. Jesus went to the temple. He was dedicated. And it's an opportunity for both Dustin and Carolyn to dedicate their little one to Jesus, giving her back to him. First fruits. And if they have more kids, they'll do it with their other children as well. So this outfit here was made by her great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. And all the kids have worn it. So it's tradition is not bad, but it's a wonderful thing. Clothed in white. And we pray that Levy May puts her faith in Jesus one day. She'll be clothed with Christ. So I have two questions for you guys. This is the first one. Will you, as parents, be responsible for seeing that your child, Levy May, be brought up in the Christian faith and life? And will you, by your prayers and your witness and testimony, help your child, Levy May, to grow into into the full stature of Christ? All right, I'm going to ask all of you an important question because we are a family. And this is my question for you. Will you help this couple raise their child, Levy May, to love and to the fear of the Lord through your prayers, encouragement? and support. We're going to pray for Levy May. I'm going to try to hold her. Yes, okay. Well, yeah, we'll you see. Gotta it's, uh, I got to bounce. We'll see if I'm actually a baby whisperer or not. Here's a prayer. This prayer, we're going to pray over Levy May. It's a prayer based off of her names. And so let's pray. I want to ask you guys to stand, extend your arm out to this couple, to Dustin and Carolyn, and to Levy May. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day of the dedication of Levi May Denning. Levi is a name of Hebrew origin, and it means joined together. May is a name of English origin, which comes from the name Mary and means bitter or pearl. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Levi May Denning. We ask that you fill her in such a way with your Holy Spirit that she is truly joined to the true vine Jesus, knowing that apart from you she can do nothing. May she put her faith in Jesus as her Lord and Savior at an early age. Oh, let's pass her back. Can't bounce enough. Let's pray. May she put her faith in you, Jesus, as her Lord and Savior at an early age. And like the patriarch Levi, may she be dedicated wholeheartedly to you 
living as a servant of Jesus, pointing others to you and living a life of holiness, offering herself as a living sacrifice to you. We also ask, Heavenly Father, that she realize in the depth of her soul that she is precious in your sight. May Levy may see that she is like a precious pearl in your hands, whom you have purchased with the blood of Jesus. May she also have the heart of Mary, who longed to be in your presence, sitting at your feet, listening to your words. May she be an extravagant worshiper of you, King Jesus, pouring her life out to you in love and worship. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to introduce to you, Levy May Denning. Yay! Awesome. This is for y'all. All right, we're going to do some exercise. Let's all stand back up again. Thank you, Weston. Well, for those who are at the brunch this morning, we do need to exercise a little bit to burn that off. And if I catch of you in a food coma, be aware. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, it will be up on the screen if you do not have a Bible with you. But if you have one, open it up. It's in the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1 through 10. This is God's word for his people. As we read it, as we read his written word, may we encounter the living word, Jesus Christ. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. And Jesus, we praise you that you shed your blood on the cross for our sins. Jesus, we praise you that you love children. And so much of the time, we even as in our culture of today feel like children get in the way, are loud, are noisy, distract. And yet, Jesus, you call us to become a child. So we come before you today as little children. May we truly desire and hunger and thirst after you, after your word. May we crave it like pure milk, like a little baby child would. May we get rid of all malice and envy and slander and deceit. May we believe in you, Jesus. 
we will rather stand upon you, our cornerstone, or we will be crushed by you because of disbelief. May we not trip over you because we disobey. And we praise you, Jesus, that you have made us a chosen people, your people, an honored people, accepted by you because of your great love, because of your great mercy. May my words be your words and nothing else. And bring encouragement, bring strength, bring conviction. And we ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Before we dive into these verses, a quick little review. We're studying 1 Peter. It's a little bitty book in the Old Testament. If you've never read it, I want to encourage you to do so. It's five chapters. It's one of my most best favorite books of the whole entire Bible. It's a lot like James, a whole lot of deep theology and a lot of just practical commandments for practical living. In the first week, two weeks ago, we talked about how we have a living hope. Our hope. And what is hope? This is the definition of biblical hope right here. It says it is the confident, what? Affirmation that God is faithful. That he will complete what he has begun. It is the, is the what? The confident expectation which, wait, which waits what? Patiently. Say it again. Patiently. Who's patient? Anybody patient here? You got the gift of patience, Fred? Awesome. And ardently for God's purposes to be fulfilled. It is the expectation and desire filled and anchored with certainty because of what? Of who God is and his character. Most of the time when we express hope, and I'm probably going to repeat this every week, because when we express and talk about hope, usually it's a reflection of fear. And I've used this example. I hope rush hour isn't bad. I hope we beat the Methodists to the buffet. I hope Tennessee is good in football. I hope this and I hope that. And when we say I hope, I hope, I hope, usually we're uncertain or fearful of something. That is not biblical hope. Hope is this, that confident affirmation that God's will will be done based off of who he is and his character. That is hope. That is true hope. And we have a living hope. The second thing, last week we talked about being holy. We've been commanded to be holy. And a very simple definition, set apart, unique, and distinct. We've been commanded to be holy because God is holy. Holy means set apart, unique, and distinct for God's purposes. That is holiness. And we, live, we obey God because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. Our obedience comes out of our love for him. And our love for him starts with his love for us. It takes God to love God. It's not in our own strength. Today, in verse 10, sorry, the end of verse 9, if you open your Bibles here, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Here at the very end, it talks about, So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, we're going to have got a couple questions for you. How many of you have walked through your house in the middle of the night in darkness? There's no light. How many? Raise your hands high. Most of us have done that. How many of you have stubbed your toe while walking in the darkness? Okay, very good. Next question, and we're going to have some confession here later on. How many words of have come out of your mouth after stubbing your toe 
Be honest. Now, how many have cursed, cussed, and some things have come out, and you've needed to confess it to the Lord afterwards? Theron, I'm so glad you're honest. Amen. It's amazing. You know, Jesus talks about, Paul talks about we're the, a body. And if one body is honored and praised, the whole body rejoices. If one part of our body suffers, the whole body suffers. And it's amazing that this tiny little toe here on the end of your foot, if it gets really stubbed really hard, it's amazing how the rest of your body reacts by jumping up and down and words of cursing come out of your mouth. Walking in darkness. How many have been scared in the dark? And this is not confession of sin, it's just being honest. In 1979, I was in second grade, we just moved to Jackson, Tennessee, my family, we were trying to get integrated in this small little town, so we went camping up in land between the lakes with about five other families. And it was late, it was dark, and we had heard, coming from North Carolina, from Raleigh, we had heard that there were wild pigs that lived in West Tennessee. That's what we heard. And there were deer, foxes, all that stuff, and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And all the Dads are still awake. Some of the older kids are still awake. There's like 50 of us camping at this campsite. So my mom takes me to like the little outhouse, which is like 100 yards down the gravel road to go to the bathroom. And it's dark. And I still remember as we're walking back, all of a sudden we hear in the woods, <coughs> and right behind us, this thing comes out. <coughs> and all the dads, as my mom and dad, as me and my mom went down to the bathroom, they all got the fun idea. Let's go hide in the bushes about 20 yards from the campsite. And my dad did that pig sound. And then another dad came out and grabbed our legs. And it scared us to death. And ever since then, I love scaring people in the dark. <laughs> now, I've probably been traumatized and need some healing. But we know what it's like to walk in darkness, physical darkness. Some of us are scared to be in the dark. In that darkness, why do we walk tentatively? We don't want to stub our toe. We don't want to hit our knee or shin on a corner of a table. We don't want to step on something that we shouldn't, like maybe a snake slithering into the house late at night. We want the lights on so that we can see clearly. And Peter here talks about how God has called us out of darkness. All of us are born sinners. Little Levy May is not going to heaven because she's going to be a good little girl. She's going to only go to heaven if she puts her faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, she is precious, and God loves her dearly, loves her. Oh, he's given his blood, his precious blood for her. And it's true for all of us. We don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because of God's great grace through Christ, faith in Jesus. And that's what Peter talks about right here. And we're going to unpack it a little bit here, but we've got to start back on verse 1. Right here, Peter says, therefore. Now, Peter discipled Mark, and if you're here in the early, late fall or late winter, early spring, we went through the Gospel of Mark. And Mark's favorite word, if you read the Gospel of Mark, is immediately. And you'll see it all throughout Mark, immediately, immediately, immediately. Peter's is therefore, 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 therefore. He says it a couple of times in chapter 1, therefore. Right here in verse 2, in verse 1 of chapter 2, therefore. Well, that's based off of everything in chapter 1. And if you go back and read chapter 1, our inheritance in Christ, our living hope in Christ, 
God has purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus. It is Christ. It is him. God has given us a new life. We have a hope. And God has called us to be holy, to walk in holiness, because God is our Heavenly Father, and He does not judge impartially. So we need to live in humble, loving fear and reverence of Him. Therefore, therefore, what? A command, and we can park right here in verse 1 for the rest of the day. What does Peter say? Rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Rid yourself. Get rid of it. And I find it very interesting that most of these sins right here come out of the mouth. Attitudes of the heart. How do we rid ourselves of these things? Samuel mentioned it in our call to prayer. We have to humble ourselves and bow to King Jesus. When we sing about the cross before me, the cross, it's just a piece of wood. But it symbolizes the person that was hung on it. We don't worship that cross. We worship the one who was crucified on the cross. So when we talk about the cross, it's symbolic of who hung on it and who shed his blood on it. To rid ourselves, we have to actively with our will, through the power of Holy Spirit, say no more. And if we struggle with slander, deceit, envy, For most of us as Christians, we try to ignore it. No, no, I shouldn't think of that stuff. And we should fight it, but we need to start asking the question, if you are a slanderer, constantly criticizing other people, I want to encourage you to begin to ask, Jesus, why am I so slanderous with my words? Why am I constantly criticizing others? What is the root inside of me that causes this garbage to come out of me? And then listen. For some of us, we need just flat-out repentance. For some of us, we've been so abused and wounded from our past that our hearts are full of bitterness and anger, and we need to forgive. And we need to put our past into the light of Jesus and allow him to bring healing to our past. For some of us, it's just a fight. And it's submitting all things to the Lordship of Christ. But get rid of, we're commanded to get rid of it. And we're to fight the good fight. And we're to persevere and our eyes are to be fixed on Christ. Peter continues here in verse 2, Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. How are, we saw little Levy. I was not a baby whisperer with her. I needed to bounce more. But if you ask any of our mothers or fathers here with newborns, like Carolyn, Shaddai and Samuel, any of the little ones, the whirlies, when their little one is hungry, how do little babies respond when they're hungry? How do babies respond when they're hungry? They cry and they fuss. And they weep and they wail. Why? Because they have a single focus. And all they want and all they need and all they desire is what? Milk. And the best type of milk for the newborns is their mother's milk. And they will, that is the only thing they care about. 
is they, they, they deep desire is for that milk. And that's the example that Peter gives us here. Crave, desire the pure milk of the Word. His Word. A few weeks ago, we talked about how we renew our strength, the importance of reading God's Word. And we can all, as Christians, we know it's important to read, read God's Word. But how many of us this morning is, where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? Oh, yeah, I put it under, under the seat of the car last Sunday, you know, and we pull it out and, you know, we might put it in the back tire, let the car run over it once or twice, make it look used. Many of us talk about how important it is to read God's Word. But are we like newborn babes who deeply desire and hunger and thirst after His Word? And if we don't have that hunger, I want to encourage all of us, begin to pray and ask God, God, give me a hunger for your word like a newborn baby hungers and desires milk. Give it to me. And I want to encourage you, begin to read his word. And if you don't know where to start, the gospel of Mark. We eat every day. Do you remember what you ate three weeks ago on Sunday? Do you remember what you ate four Thursdays ago for breakfast? What about five dinners ago? Do you remember what it was? Do you remember what it tasted like? The answer is no, no, no. If you remembered real hard, maybe you could think of it. Many times we'll eat, and we don't, it's not that good, but we got to eat because we need to eat to live. There will be times when we read God's Word, and we'll read it, and we'll be like, well, you know what? It's okay. The reality is, is as we read it, even if it's like, uh, it's living. It's God's living word. And if we humble ourselves and put ourselves under it, if you have your Bible, raise it up. We did this a couple weeks ago. If, you have your, if your Bible's on your cell phone, raise your cell phone up. Put it on your head. Symbolic of symbolizing you submit to God's word. And I want to encourage you every morning or every evening, sit down. Buy a little notebook. Pray, God, open my eyes and my heart as I read your word. Read one chapter and then make yourself write down one verse that speaks to you. Write that verse down. And then make yourself write a paragraph about that verse. We live in a microwave culture where we will try something for two weeks and if it doesn't work, tried it. Folks, we are crockpots, and we need to soak in God's Word for months and years on end. We will grow slowly, but we want immediate results. And if you've read the Scriptures and the Gospels, it seems like Jesus is always showing up late, but always on time. And we need to learn to soak in his presence every day because our culture will tell us, no, no, if it's not now and immediate and instant gratification, it's not worth it. How's that going for our culture today? It's just dust in the wind. Let's continue. We got to get rolling. I spent too much on that verse. But anyway. The next several verses, verses 4, all the way down to verse 8. 
Peter begins to talk a whole lot about living stones and the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. We don't get to see it nearly as much today in our modern-day construction. But in ancient times, in the time of Jesus, and even in Mexico where we lived, when they build huge buildings or even houses, they would have to have a cornerstone. And that was the, in the corner, it's called cornerstone, but it was the foundation of the rest of the building. And if that cornerstone was not level, if it was not big enough, if it was not strong enough, if it was not sure enough, the entire building would be skewed. It would not be safe. It would not be sure. Jesus is that cornerstone. And so for the people during the time of Peter, when they would read this, it was very clear. And Peter quotes here in verse 6 and 7. He quotes, and if you're reading out of a Bible here with paper, and it might not be on iPhones and stuff on your phone, but it's usually written with bold print. That's an Old Testament quote that was written hundreds of years before the time of Christ, talking about in Zion, which is Jerusalem. There is he's chosen, a stone that is chosen, it's honored, it's a cornerstone, and everyone who believes in him will not be, be put to shame. You see, here on this earth, especially right now in our culture here, it's happening a lot quicker now. But to be a Christian now, in our day and age, here in the United States, it's a shameful thing. And the popular culture is trying to shame Christians into silence for many different things. In other cultures, in other countries, Christians will be crucified and killed. There's over 200 countries in the world, and less than 40, there's true religious freedom. Less than 25% of the world's countries are there, is there true religious freedom. And those who believe in Jesus will not be put to shame. That's a promise that we can hold on to. We might be shamed here on this earth, on this side of eternity, but my prayer for all of us is that when Jesus comes back or when we die and pass away, when we see him, his arms will be wide open and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, Jesus is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. And everything that we do, everything that we are should be based upon him and who he is. Is your life being built upon Jesus Christ? The way you use your time, your work, your family, your money, your time, your talents, your treasures? Are you living in such a way that's like a living sacrifice honoring the Lord Jesus? And that's what G Peter talks all about throughout here. He's connecting Old Testament to New Testament and he's lifting Jesus up. And he says in verse 8, the stone, a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over for those who do not believe. He says at the end of verse 8, they stumble because they disobey the word. Many will stumble because we disobey God's word. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Easy to remember. Peter continues here in verse 9. And these are our words. It's a promise we can take for everyone who believes in Christ as Lord and Savior. This is who we are. Peter tells us right here, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race. Most of us know what it's like to have been a little child out on the playground and not chosen. I can remember walking up in kindergarten to a group of kids in the sandbox. Can I play with you guys? No. 
I can remember in PE class, I was on the hefty side a couple years, being chosen last because I was slow. Oh, my self-esteem just went through, went through the floor. Most of us knows what, it, knows what it's like to be rejected, to be turned away. But God calls us chosen. It's not because we're good. It's not because we earned it or deserve it. It's because of God's grace. He has chosen us as his chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's not one particular country. It's God's nation. And he's creating a nation from every tribe and every tongue and every people group. It's his kingdom. A people for his possession. Do you have any prized possessions in your home? And then finally here. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Most of us here, I believe we've put our faith in Jesus. Some of us here have not. All of us who are born are born into darkness and into sin, into iniquity and transgression. And it is only by God's grace and mercy that we are forgiven and that we become this chosen nation. When you look back on your life, how dark was your life before Christ? One of my questions is, do we truly understand how wretched our lives are? were before Christ? Do we truly understand the gravity and depth of our depravity and sin? Do we truly understand how sinful and prideful and arrogant and wicked we truly are? I've noticed on the news a lot that people get really offended if they realize people or someone is calling them a bad person. Do you know that there is no one good? None of us are good. We know how to do good, but none of us are good. And do we truly know how wretched we are without Jesus? I'm afraid that many of us don't. But we were truly in darkness. Think back to the funny story about being scared camping. Think back to the times when you've walked in darkness. And I'm not talking about spiritual darkness, just darkness. And because of God's great mercy, he's rescued us through the precious blood of Jesus, through his mercy and love and grace. He has adopted us as his children. We are now his for everyone who's put their faith in Christ. And we need to rejoice in that. We need to thank him for that. Say, thank you for how you've rescued me. And it says here, this last verse, well, verse 9. We're all that we're chosen nation, holy nation, chosen priesthood, holy priesthood. And what does he say here? So that we may proclaim the praises of the one. So that we may proclaim what God has done in our lives. Proclaim the praises of the one who's called us from darkness to light. Christy and I were challenged deeply when we got married to share with each other every night before we go to bed 10 things that we're grateful for. And we have seasons when we do it and seasons when we don't. 
And I can tell you this right now, the seasons when we do it, when we truly share with each other every day the things that we're thankful for and grateful for for what God has done in our lives. And I'm always joking around, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are my first three. You know, I got three of them out of the way. But when we truly thank and think about what God has done in our lives and how he's forgiven us and given us new life and given us a living hope and given us an inheritance, it wells up inside of me personally a thanksgiving and a praise and also a power to want to surrender my life even more to Jesus, saying, yes, I will love and follow and serve you with everything that I am. When our eyes and our focus is on Jesus, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. He decidido seguir a Cristo. I have decided to follow him. No turning back. We are, I don't know how to say it. We are not our own. But we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. So I close with this. I've got four questions to ask quickly. The first one is this, or questions, statements. This is the first one right here. The first one is this, desire and crave God's word. Do we truly desire and crave his word? And if we don't, don't beat yourself up. You're God's precious possession. And he's inviting you to consume his word. It is precious. The second one is this, receive, believe, and live in your identity in Jesus. Verse 9, chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. If you believe in Jesus, you are his. Believe it and live in it. Proclaim his praises. And that could be singing, but it could also just be sharing with others what God is doing in your life. The last one is this. What area of your life still needs to be put in the light of Jesus. What area of your life is still in the dark? For some of us, we have no idea. For others of us, God has already spoken to us about areas of our life that are not under his lordship. And we're still refusing to surrender it to him. Today's the day. I'm speaking to myself too. Do not harden your heart to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But take whatever is in the darkness in your life. It could be your past. It could be your present. It could be friendships or relationships. It could be how you use your time. It could be what comes out of your mouth. It could be your money, your wallet. It could be your job. It could be your future. But any area of our life that is not surrendered to Christ is in darkness. And God calls us to walk in light because he is light. Let's stand. Let's pray. And I want to encourage you as we pray, members of our prayer team will be over here to your right, over here where it says next steps. And if God has been speaking to you today and you want prayer, need prayer, want to talk with somebody, they'll be over here waiting for you. Please come forward and pray with them, talk with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. Father, we praise you that you have made us a chosen race, people of your possession. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we praise you for taking us from darkness and into light. And Jesus, may we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. Move in us now, Holy Spirit, because we need you. And may we love and follow you as dear, precious children, having faith of a child. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm going to close with the scripture passage as a blessing. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have relationship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin.